Welcome to Mediation Station, and this is your host, Greg Fenton. Each week we explore topics and ideas related to the experience of people with conflict and look to promote the profession of conflict resolvers. We are available to connect with at greggf at primus.ca and 647-227-4734. Visit us at our Facebook page to like us and Facebook group page to become a member. Also visit YouTube channels for both CHHA, 1610 AM, and Greg Fenton. Listen to podcasts of each radio show by visiting either of SoundCloud.com and iTunes podcasts under Mediation Station in the Arts area. We have a Twitter account that is at Fenton Mediation, so give us, you know, follow. Our topic tonight is called Seeing Hearing Amongst Self and Other with our visitor, Brad Heckman. Well, we really can't see him, but we, we're going to hear him. Hi, Brad. Are you there? I, I'm here, Greg. It's so good to be with you. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm uh, all alone in the studio tonight. That elf, you know, that person that you become familiar with once in a while. Yeah, jo- Joni Calf. Where's, where's Joni? Well, I guess she had something better to do. Gosh. <laughs> you know, right, we'll, we'll deal with her later. Um, happy Pride, by the way. Absolutely, too, and I saw some of your, um, you had a posting there on Facebook, and then there was a conversation that was going yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of a kerfuffle on social media. Well, what else is new? I mean. <laughs> right, right. Are you an agitator? You know, I, I don't know. I think I used to be. I, 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 I try not to be. I actually encourage uh, uh, these kind of difficult conversations on social media, even though it's a a platform that's not very well designed for people to hear each other so i i don't know but i definitely i i am certainly capable of taking the bait if it's if it's dangled before me well you know when you put yourself out there whether it's visually or with written words or an audio of some form you know there's always going to be people who are in alignment with that and there's going to be people who have for their own particular interests a contrary perspective of that. I don't think we can ever get everybody totally, and I don't even think it's necessary for us to get people. That's not our intention when we put our stuff out there. Yeah, a- absolutely. And I'm, you know, I'm not a big fan of arguing for its own sake or, you know, promoting um, rhetoric or just being polemical. So I, I you know, I, I do invite diversity of thought, and and when I'm at my best, I do try try to. Um, to um, understand before I, before I'm understood. But um, yeah, t- today was was really really interesting, and and it was definitely a moment where I wasn't trying to agitate. I was I posted just uh, something in, in honor of, of of World Pride Day, which I thought would be fairly uncontroversial. But but I guess we're we're not quite quite there yet. Um, and in any case, the, the people who you know who did respond negatively to my my posting. Um, and folks who want to follow me on Facebook or Instagram can see what we're talking about. Um, they are people who I do who I do um, like on a personal level and admire. So I, it's you know it's very possible to have political and other differences and uh, and still fundamentally respect people as as challenging it might as that might be in our in our climate at least at least down here. I, I would say too here because it seems that there's um, a, a, an elevated level in the last two or three years with regard to people feeling more a sense that they can speak out about their um, particular sense of reality that uh, 
in the past might have been you know something that they would keep to themselves more so mm-hmm. those kinds of individuals they're welcome to speak out you know the whole concept of free speech we really promote of course you know the, i would sense here that uh, there's some boundary with regard to that when it starts to marginalize and minimize someone who's quite distinct from us or just different in any way yeah, well, it, you know, I've, I've, in, in following my, my Canadian friends on, on social media and elsewhere, I've, I've seen what you've described as well. And I, I, I wonder, um, and, and we see this uh, across the, uh, the, the globe, um, without, without trying to put um, you know, my country in, in more of a position of influence than it, it is or should be. I'm, I'm wondering to what extent, if any, you see this as, um, as spillover from what's, what's happening down here. I, I think there's a direct uh, uh, cause and effect with regard to the circumstances of the uh, most recent presidential election that's uh, had an impact here. I think Canada follows a lot more closely the U.S. perspective rather than the other way. So that has provided a forum and a space for people with divergent perspectives to feel that they can speak out in the past as I mentioned they would feel less inclined to do so now it's like you feel safe to say stuff that's really might be perceived as being inappropriate and could be really uh, offensive and uh, harmful to people yeah for sure well well um, on behalf of my country apologies for that well I didn't Um, I didn't I didn't know you you were actually represent uh, the whole American community yeah, you know, my my, oh, thank goodness I don't. Um, although um, I I remember vividly being uh, and meeting you in, in in Toronto at a kind of a pivotal day. I believe it was on on um, on inauguration day yeah. of our last presidential election. I was I was giving a speech in in Toronto. I had the great pleasure of meeting you and others, and it was it was nice to be up there in the midst of uh, in the midst of the mayhem here. Yeah. So appreciate you visiting with us again you're calling in from new york city or i believe so within that that's correct and uh you've been on a few times before and you know you're part of the family here Uh, i do have a a sense of connection anyways with new york because my mom was uh, born in the bronx Uh, i remember that yeah Yeah, that that so much makes sense uh, because of that (laughs) what do you mean by that I don't even know. I don't know. It, it's doesn't a compliment. Matter. I know it. It's a, just, you're, you're just trying to provoke you. <laughs> so, what does it mean to you to share your perspective on different topics as you've presented periodically here? Well, I, I I really enjoy having the conversation, and I couldn't be more more honored to be considered part of the family. Um, you ask great questions, and it's great to share perspectives. Uh, I'm always concerned I'm telling you the same stories over and over again, so please stop me if, if, if you've heard it, since I may have used my A, B, and C material in our previous conversations. But uh, but regardless, you know, to spend some, some time with a fellow traveler in the, in the mediation world, it's, it's such a pleasure. Well, you know, bringing to light about traveling, you're going overseas to the Middle East very uh, next week or this coming week? Yeah, on the 10th, I'm um, heading out to, to Baghdad, where I'll, I'll be working for about about two weeks. Um, 
in spite of my government's uh, highest level uh, travel advisory, which, um, yeah. which by the way, if you're doing work abroad, don't don't read the travel advisories. They're just going to stress you out. This one, um, this one says, make sure to have your your will in order. Um, oh, by the way, when I posted that on Facebook, that hey, you know, hey, yeah. my government's saying get your will and your papers in order. Um, any number of my my family members jumped on taking claims for my various possessions. No, no one's claimed to take care of my debt after I'm gone, but but that that gives you a sense of how my family rolls and and in their in their playful and loving way. Yeah, well, it's what they value, right? About you. I don't know what the kind of statement that is. They value my my furniture and my books, apparently. Yeah, especially with you, you've moved into a new place and uh, the city there, right? I did. I I did. My uh, I mean, same same neighborhood. It's called the East Village of uh, in, in Manhattan. Um, I've been in and around this neighborhood for years now, but a, a new place. Maybe you'll make it easy for them. Put their name tags uh, on the <laughs> items for them. You know, you're I, you're you're enabling their bad behavior, my friend. They're they're eyeing up my limited possessions like so many legs of lamb. Don't let them in the apartment, okay? It's simple as that. <laughs> Don't give any your, your, your keys out. I, I, right, I'm changing the locks as we speak. Do you have plants? Does someone need to come in there and water them while you're away? I, I, I don't have any plants yet in this apartment. And like many New York apartments, they're really, it's not really amenable to indoor plants in that it doesn't have a tremendous amount of, of, of sunlight. Um, so, no, no plants or, or pets to take care of in, in my absence. Um, so, so it's all good. But if, if that was an offer, you're, you're more than welcome to come in, you know, and keep an eye on the place. Absolutely. I would totally. I, so what? Oh, you don't have to say it out loud when you're going. We don't want to <laughs> uh, let peop, other people know because they'll show up at your door and they'll, with a watering, well, no, there's no plants, that's right. Or uh, <laughs> right, something right. to clean a vacuum. Well, I mean, they can dust the place. New York City apartments are notorious for, for you know, getting like an inch full of dust as soon as you're done dusting. So that. So uh, I, I will entertain offers for that. All right. So I'll keep that in mind. And, uh, you know, during the course of the uh, conversation tonight, which we're going to talk about seeing, hearing amongst self and other. And uh, this is another one of those reflective, deeper kind of conversations that I think the two of us like to have with each other to explore stuff that's not necessarily apparent or obvious on the surface that uh, lives within us. Excellent. Okay, so how have you, your own lived experiences, influenced the decisions you you make in your personal and professional life? How, how do you, things that have happened in your world factor into what you do and what you don't do? Well, I mean, definitely in, in conscious ways in terms of doing certain certain things or having been exposed to things that have that have guided me and, and having had the benefit of, of parents and other relatives and mentors in my life. Um, and then probably in somewhat unconscious ways that, that I'm just not, not aware of. Um, and I, I, uh, one of the things that I tell my mediation students is uh, certainly when you're mediating, but, but, but in other aspects of life, um, trust your gut, but, but really only to a point. So. Um, when I think that I have an instinct or a gut feeling or an intuition about something, I usually try to stop myself and ask myself, am I, am, am I coming up with something where I'm just connecting the dots of other um, bad, difficult, or even traumatic experiences, and is that informing my decisions, or 
you know, is it, is it based on, on something else? So, you know, I, so I think definitely my life experiences have, have play into any number of my decisions, and sometimes for the better and sometimes not. I've just, you know, uh, created, as we all do, neural pathways in my brain that connect dots that, um, that, that inform my decisions. And, and I, don't, I don't know about you, Greg, but I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of nature that um, pretty much uh, uh, constantly I, I think of myself as as being um, so much more enlightened and fully realized than the schmuck that I was a year ago at this time. And I'm somewhat better at that, but 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 you know, but still like that to an extent. So like a constant work in progress in terms of of self awareness. Yeah, but who makes the determination of where that journey goes or where it's at or defines that or identifies that for us? I mean, that's a complicated thing. You know, it is. And I was thinking, um, you know, there are times where I say to myself, well, I have no regrets and I don't care what other people think. And then I think, well, geez, both of those things sound like statements of a psychopath or a sociopath. So I kind of toggle back and forth between... um, between being self-reflective to the point of truly regretting actions I've taken or statements that I've made and and deeply caring about the impact that I have on others. And other times where I think, well, to be true to oneself means to, to be, to be uh, uh, limited in terms of factoring in other people's opinions. So that's a, a constant um, uh, inner conversation I have. And, oh, and now it's an outer one. I think uh, a lot of that is really about personal perspective so what does reflection work look like for you? Uh, reflection work, so in, in terms of, uh, I, I love the word reflection because it can t- take on so many meanings. Um, so when you say reflection work, are we talking uh, self-reflection um, or perhaps the art of reflection, which is, as we know is one of our key mediation tools? Tell me, tell me where you're coming from on that one. Well, what I would say to you in return is that how do you intersect with that word? What does it mean to you? Because for me, it's open-ended. So and I'm presenting it for you to have the ownership of how you, you know, define that word. Uh, I, I knew you would say that. Um, so I, I think, um, so let's talk about self-reflection. In terms yeah. of that, I, I, you know, I think that that's, that's an ongoing, lifelong process without dipping one's toes into into narcissism, but I think doing your best to know yourself is is important to do any kind of work. So you can be aware of what your what your strengths and areas of growth are as um, as well as your, your your limitations. And I find in, in certainly in, in mediation and, and adjacent work, um, self reflection and knowing who you are, um, a big part of that is, is leaving your view much of yourself um, at, at the door, your ego, your beliefs, your values, and so on. But I think in order to do that, paradoxically, you also need to be aware of, of who you are, what your triggers are, um, and and how you can truly behave as, as impartially as possible with people in, in conflict. And then I suppose, you know, the, the way I tend to use the word reflection in, in mediation work and training, which is reflecting back that which you, you hear or you think you hear from others, in order to understand and be understood and 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 promote communication, that's um, that's something I strive to do in in life as well as um, in teaching and at the mediation table. Yeah, I mean we're as trainers 
or teachers of some form, we try to promote about uh, being role models in some way as practitioners or third parties for the parties to see in some way a path and a sense of behavior that works more effectively than the dysfunction sometimes that two people who come into a conflict uh, process to try to address. So we're trying to mirror back for them, for them to see a reflection of how they could ultimately see so that it makes some kind of impact or effect on them. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, and, and the opportunity to hear one's own words back, which can give you an opportunity to to demonstrate that you've been heard or give you a chance to walk back what you, what's been said. Um, I'll speak for myself. There are plenty of things I've said in my life that had someone have the presence of mind or the skills to reflect it back to me would give me a chance to say, well, it's not really where I was going or, 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 or what I meant. And... You know, when, when that feedback loop is not built into daily conversation, I often wonder how much I've, um, I or, or anyone has really missed when they, they thought they understood. So, so, you know, what a great opportunity to acknowledge to people that, that maybe we don't see or hear you, but we're, but we're striving, and we're going to keep at it until we, we hopefully get it as right as we can. So when I was uh, younger growing up, I was uh, taught, and it was instilled in me, not to go to the place of being with self uh, in terms of mm-hmm. selfish. Yet when we talk about awareness, I think we're trying to promote about self-awareness as a foundation for people to feel empathic, uh, emotional intelligence thing. So how do, we, mm-hmm. how do we try to find a way that to be selfish in some form, in some way, is okay, and it's not necessarily the broader societal perspective of what selfish means, that it's, it's more about us in relation to others. Yeah, what a, what a great question, and I, you know, I, I um, perhaps we're not so different, you and me. I think I had, I was raised with a similar um, ethos. Um, my, my father was, uh, was born on the Pennsylvania Dutch farm, and it, it's a very, uh, uh, collective versus an individualistic uh, cultural orientation, and uh, among the many uh, uh, gems of wisdom he, he passed on to me were: uh, um, don't start. Try to avoid starting a sentence with "I," and by all means, avoid sentences that start with "You should." And this, I think, really reflects the idea of of, of taking yourself and your your ego out of the, the equation when possible. And and yet, um, you know, we have to understand ourselves. And I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that's that's selfish or not. And a larger philosophical question is whether anything we do to help society is there a selfish component of that because it gives us it gives us pleasure and uh, you know, lights up the pleasure centers of our brain when we're altruistic. So I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know that I fully uh, know the distinction. But I I think. Um, I think striving to understand who you are in relation to yourself, the world, and, and others is, uh, I, I think it's an, important, it's an important practice for us. Yeah, and, uh, <clears throat> sorry, and as I go through my daily life and as I get older, I'm really trying to challenge myself with some of the notions that uh, I was brought up with and that I also see 
going on around me that I'm taking for granted as being the quote truth and the the mantra that we're supposed to fit into and box ourselves and I'm just really trying to challenge all those notions to say hey do they make sense to me and if they don't make sense to me how can I intersect with them in a different way or transform them to look at them from a different context Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really yeah, yeah. You have some kind of similar kind of journey in some way? Yeah, I think so. You know, one of the things that I, that I do enjoy about getting older is, is that uh, I'm able to look at some of the things that I was exposed to uh, or raised with, with the perspicacity of some hindsight and some distance and some, and some detachment. Um, so, you know, and it, it, so it's great not not to be as easily bothered or triggered by 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 things, and to find some degree of of amusement in those things that that push my buttons or annoyed me, and and look for what you know what where's the wisdom in that, um, and what and and what do I leave behind? So so for sure, for sure, and um, and it also, it, I also. Um, I'm increasingly trying to apply to myself that which I, I, I teach, which is um, in terms of how you respond to, to people, to, you know, do your best to, to separate um, intention and impact. And, you know, so when I look at things that just, you know, really, really bugged me that my parents did growing up um, and look at, well, you know, I don't think their intention was to, to bug me or stifle me or nag me or any of the, the negative words that I might add to it, but they're their intention was to do the best they can, and that 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 really really counts. So to be able to see that now, it's it's really rewarding. Well, and also to take those things that we uh, were were instilled in our in our daily lives to say, okay, because they formed a basis for how we grew up and how we intersect again with our moments in the, of our lives. And so, I I just really like to revisit many of those things to say hmm I don't know sometimes it makes sense and sometimes it doesn't and at different moments of my world and my life I look at things through a different lens because I really celebrate the the whole notion of change transformation I am comfortable with it which is sort of a how do you get comfortable with change because you how do you adapt or adjust to change well I think the number one skill is to be adaptable, to be intersecting with the moments and go with the flow and then being able to work through those. Absolutely, and I would, I would love your, your secrets uh, to that. And I think, you know, there's, a, um, there's kind of a, a, a myth that, that Darwin believed it was the you know, strongest survived, and you no, know, it's the most adaptable that, that, that survived. And, uh, um, I've been thinking about this because I, I recently uh, uh, did my, my 23andMe DNA testing. Uh, so in terms of really getting a sense of self, I wanted to find out like what the, what the heck I'm made of, being mm-hmm. something yeah. of a, a European mongrel. And uh, I, I, I found out that, that I have an abnormally high percentage of Neanderthal uh, DNA, which, which just explains so much. Certainly my inability to craft simple tools or, or make fire. Um, but there's, you know, there's a, a significant chunk of my genetic makeup that was so unadaptable as to now be, as to now be extinct. So, so I imagine my, 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 my struggle in this area is great. 
Well, maybe that could be, uh, you know, I would think that uh, Neanderthals did have a period of time that they lived and were able to uh, adapt to their environs. And, you know, maybe climate change was happening a lot earlier and just impacted the Neanderthals, one of the first peoples. I, I think it could be. I, you know, I, I, I learned that they were kind of a, a side branch of Homo erectus in, in, in Europe. And the, the theory until, until recently was that, they, um, that this particular branch of, of the human tree um, died off um, because of being um, small and slow and slow-witted, which, which totally adds up in my case. And uh, as it turns out, they, uh, we, we found from, from all of these DNA tests that are going around that they did breed with, uh, with, with Homo sapiens, and, and I'm among the progeny of them. So I'd be, uh, yeah, I'd be, be really curious to find out how, how, how much that or any of our backgrounds really influence who we are. How do you work with people to help them become more self-aware, Brad? Is that something that's consciously an intention of yours as part of your practice, your process, your training? I suppose it is. I, I think it's, it, it, it's part of the mediation process and helping people understand what's, what's really going on with them, what, um, what's, what's under the surface of our, of our positional uh, conflicts. Um, likewise, in training, helping people understand um, uh, how to, to learn to see other perspectives and, and perhaps unlearn that which has hardwired us for, for, for many years. Um, that said, I think it's you know I think it's important in in terms of encouraging self awareness um, to to work on on pulling it from people rather than pushing it on onto people. Um, and I think this is definitely part of the the, um, the ethos of our field. Uh, it also reflects my dad's belief that you should never tell someone you should. So. Um, yeah. You know, for 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 me, I think we all we all learn and grow out of um, out of self interest on some level. What's in it for for us? And I don't necessarily mean that in a, in a selfish way, but um, but you know, I couldn't imagine telling someone, you know, you ought to be more self aware and self reflective. But but really, um, I think of it as kind of liberating for people to see um, to see different ideas and perspectives. Um, around them and tapping into whatever they need to within to, to get to that point. Yeah, I just see when uh, the word should is applied, it, it's more the other person in trying to impose that on the other person. Or, for example, if I was to say should, it's uh, me imposing that on someone else, where I think many of us, including you, really are strongly about self-determination. Again, that word self is in there as a preface. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's it's so important, and I think you know earlier in my uh, my my career, um, you know, I, I realized that as as a mediator, as an instructor, to some degree, playing dumb was important. You know, pretending that you didn't really know what the answers were, so people could come up with their own. And and I think one of the most liberating parts of my own my own growth was realizing that I'm not playing dumb. I mean, I really, really genuinely don't have great advice to give in that I I have no idea what's going to work for others, even if they look like me, um, God forbid, sound like me, uh, or, or, or share what on some surface level seems to be um, uh, uh, close to, to who I am. I just, 
We never know. I mean, you hear of identical twins who are raised in the same environment by the same parents and have vastly different understandings of, of their upbringing and, uh, and their family. So, so it's just really it's nice not to have to, um, you know, use my limited Neanderthal caveman brain power to, to figure out what's right or wrong for others, but, but simply be curious and ask questions. Well, and to not to present oneself as being the be-all, end-all. You know, I, I taught a, and I'm teaching a course at University of Toronto in the School of Continuing Studies called Powerful Negotiation Skills. And the cohort that was earlier, I know some of the students were like, they'd ask a question looking for the um, instructor, me in this, this case, to have the, all the answers. And that's not my style. My style is to say, when they ask a question, I, I reflect it back. I put it back on, in their shoes and say, so what does it mean to you? What are you trying to say? What are you looking for? Just to get them to better connect with it on their own perspective rather than me telling them from my perspective, I think the power is within the individual. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you have the burden of radiating the wisdom of a Jedi. So, you know, it's only natural that people would, would appeal to your wisdom and and you know and want the answers and i you know on, on a lesser level i i do get that as you know as the teacher the professor uh, yeah. i'll be asked well you know you've seen the situation before so surely you have some ideas and you know my response is you know please please don't call me Shirley. and i have no idea no and that was actually <laughs> yeah. going to be my next uh statement <laughs> you're a very punny guy okay it's it's it, it's horrible. Don't encourage it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like it, and this is my program, so I can do what I want. <laughs> it is, you know. Damn it, it is your program. It's it, it, when I was uh, uh, in a previous uh, um, show, uh, you and I talked about my my work in in Japan, and yeah. um, and you know I have I have puns kind of baked into a lot of my the drawings that I use and, and into my spiels and. Uh, and it's so torturous to, to use a pun or a, a silly turn of phrase when it doesn't necessarily translate, and then to have to explain a joke, it's like it, it's absolutely the worst. And 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 I, I recall doing this in Japan, and because wordplay is, is such a big part of their um, their their culture and their way of learning, you know, even after I like painfully explained uh, a, a pun after the fact, they would they would just get it and love it and. And, or at least pretend to love it. Maybe that was just deferential. And I remember one of the participants coming to me afterwards and saying, "You know, in, in Japanese, we have we have an expression for your kind of humor. We we call it dad jokes." I'm like, "Yeah, we we, we <laughs> call it that too, and it's it's so not a compliment." <laughs> I think though, taking that extra effort to try to provide them as much space that whatever you're trying to communicate to the other person or persons that they actually connect with the intention of the understanding that you're trying to promote or communicate about. Because, you know, I, it's always like, who's responsible for understanding the message heard or said? The sender or the receiver? Right. And ideally, you know, you have a feedback loop so that so, um, you know, so that everyone is engaged with, uh, um, with promoting mutual understanding. Uh, and it's, it, it can be really challenging, though. For, for me, the, uh, the the most difficult audience to work with is one that has a, a, a mixture of, of um, languages or level of understanding, which 
some extent is pretty much every group that I've ever trained. And, uh, you know, and, and it raises the question of to what extent are we facilitators, to what extent are, are we translators and interpreters, and, and how to bring about people participating in, in mutual learning so that everyone can understand. And, and that's something I'm definitely thinking about as I, as I pack up to go to, to Baghdad where I'm, I'm really not sure what the, um, what the um, linguistic and cultural differences might be that that might um, you know might be part and parcel of, of what I'll experience. Well, you know, in fact, I, I was just thinking of presenting a question to you about that in terms of your journey because you talked about the Japanese experience and how you, coming from a Western American perspective and trying to communicate that perspective and how it. You try to make sure it resonates in some way. What's your expected audience in Iraq? Is it uh, people of the local, or are they American, or whom, whom are they? It, it's all Iraqis, and I'm, I'm doing two, two separate but connected gigs. The first one is, is uh, training a cohort of university professors, um, men and women, and I'm doing this through uh, through New York University, where where I work full time now, and, and um, you know we're we're really um, insistent on 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 ensuring as much gender and uh, diversity as well as other forms of diversity. So I'll first be training a group of professors in, in how to impart what they've learned about peace building uh, to students. So basically teaching the teachers, so introducing them to just different ways of acquiring learning and making the classroom more open and conversational, along the lines of, uh, 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 of what we've been talking about. And then the second part of the trip will be working with those professors and a group of students um, together to do some simulations on, on youth-led dialogue to, to promote the inclusion of, of, of youth in, in rebuilding a, a traumatized uh, country and, and civil society. And I'll be working with a, a colleague of mine from NYU as, uh, as well. So we'll be there together. Um, and it should be interesting because we're, you know, demographically speaking, my colleague and I, um, we're from different generations, different genders, uh, both Americans, um, you know, but, but still on some level, my hope is that we'll be, we'll, we'll be, we'll be modeling the idea of, of cooperating across uh, different identity lines. Well, I mean, you're not clones, you're individuals, right? And, uh... I think the the differences of the two of you is actually, you know, um, a great opportunity to provide more diversity as part of your presentation so that the audience, those participants, can appreciate, you know, things are not just so linear and from one perspective. There's different things that could speak to and of and about different things in this world. And so I think it's helpful to get us to challenge some of these notions. Absolutely, and and Greg, I have to confess when you mentioned the person's not a clone, you know, tried I might to focus. I there's yeah. a part of my brain that couldn't help to think, oh my God, if I had a clone, what what would I do? So let me let me ask you, Greg, if you had, if you had a clone of, of yourself, yeah. so we're talking about self, so this is like um, very good self to the second power. What 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 would you do? What would you what would you have your clone do for you, if anything? Um, well. I'd really not the, want them in the same room with me, because uh, uh, I wouldn't know. Like, do I defer to them, or do they defer to me? Like, do we supersede each other, or some way, or 
are we what collaborative? What do you even call them? I mean, the, the whole thing is just so awkward. Yeah, like, hey, you? Because that's when I come home and when I was younger and knock on the door, my mom would be on the other side and it was a thick, solid door. And I'd say, what'd she say? Who's, who's that? And I'd say, it's me. Or, you know, something very generic like that. I wouldn't say, hey, it's Greg, your son. And uh, I was right. born on this day. So the assumption was that <laughs> she knew who it was. Yet, you know, if we have a clone, how would people differentiate them? Would they be able to? I, it's a great question. And I'm, and I'm thinking, um, you know, if, if I had a clone, my instinct tells me to have them do my bidding for me. So have them do all the things that I don't, that I don't like to do or that I suck at, like, you know, like, like paperwork and paying bills and all that kind of stuff. And then I think, well, if they're my clone, they would suck at it just as well. So I'd be delegating to someone just as bad as I am. So, uh, yeah, I don't really know. Well, when, um, and when, the whole thing about it is it's, it's yeah. just kind of creepy. Um, I, I need to spend more time with identical twins who are not clones. They're their own people, but, but that's the closest thing we got for the moment. Well, with clones, I know that's not our topic tonight yet. Uh, do they also think the same way? I mean, they look the same. That were there. I think they're supposed to look the same. Are they supposed to think the same and feel the same? What a, what a great question! Like I, you know, my my fear would be the the simulacrum effect, which is they'd be like a copy of a copy, so somewhat faded. So whatever, you know, whatever weaknesses I have, and and they are legion. Um, this person would have only slightly worse. So on the other hand, if a clone is kind of a, a blank slate, and I suppose if they're like. If they're, you know, being constructed in some kind of goo, like one season Black Mirror or Twilight Zone, then, and they're, you know, they come out of that goo as a fully formed adult, then, I don't know, I'd like to, you know, on the other hand, we can we can mold them to be a, a better version of, of ourselves. So I said, you know, when we started that, like, oh, gee, the, you know, the version of myself from a year ago was a moron compared to, compared to now. You know, this person would be able to be like more on plus one. You know, they, they'd be a little bit um, better off. So the advanced level of uh, you, in some way, whatever. Yeah, like I'm. You know, yeah, I'm just the beta version at this point. So um, the clone would, yeah, clone would take it, take me to a whole new level. Yeah, well, you know, one of the really appealing things for me about you is the self-deprecation. I really uh, wallow in that too. I appreciate it and um, uh, ask you to keep going on with that because. I don't see whatever you see as part of what you say you are and how you identify. Of course, you have ownership of yourself, yet I have ownership of how I see you, too. And I'll say that I really uh, am privileged to have the conversations that I do, and uh, I really appreciate their honesty and transparency. And I'm... Hey, look, don't get lost for words, okay? So in terms of the work you do, in different ways, have a variety or varied and diverse approach and approaches to working with people, especially who are experiencing conflict or trying to give them skill sets to deal with conflict. How do you know the work you're doing is effective? How do you know it connects with people? Or is that even important to you? Oh, it's, it's so important. I would, I, you know, I, I, I would be devastated if, if the work I was doing didn't have some impact or at least raise, raise some questions. Um, and you know, and I, I, I think the, the way to know is to, to to ask and engage and 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 get feedback. So that feedback loop is not just a uh, a mediation parlor trick. I think it's a it's a way of being. So I think 
you know, one, one thing that I've learned in, in, in teaching is that, you know, of, of course, um, student evaluations are de rigueur as part of the process, but I think they can only be trusted to a point. You know, students will often fill out an evaluation at the end of class and will either be exhausted or uh, have some kind of, um, like, dopamine hit because they finished the class. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that you know the the the, the ongoing feedback between my my students, my trainees, and myself has to be daily. Uh, I really, really believe, and I, I forget if I've used this phrase with you before, that I really believe that that laughing brains are more absorbent. The more that we 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 um, we open ourselves and we make ourselves vulnerable, and often that can be done by by using humor. The 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 more we're going to learn and and take in information. So I often measure how much people are. Or laughing while they're learning as as a measure of of, of success. And one of the things that I, I love more than than anything, in addition to people indulging my jokes, is is seeing um, let's say over a, a five day intensive uh, mediation training, the the progress that you see from from day to day, how people are using and creating turns of phrases that will that will help ask people non-judgmental questions that elicit non-defensive uh, responses. And the joy that you see in people's eyes as, as, they, as they're with you on the struggle, as they learn, as they become vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, vulnerability, is a, it's, a, it's a huge thing. I, I really think that vulnerability is, is strength. So in working, we, we've talked about my work with uh, the NYPD. So, yeah. so for me, a you know, measure of, of success, um, aside from from skills acquisition is seeing a, a stereotypically tough macho New York cop um, show a level of vulnerability and connection and three-dimensionality and humanity that that they may not have at the very beginning and and you know so I think I think the moment that people show themselves more three-dimensionally and humanly uh, I, I can't think of a better measure of success than that in in, in anything that, that I do I totally concur with what you're talking about, and those are the things that I really feel uh, are part of the purpose or intention with working with people, is to see the journey. You know, we say the, the light bulb goes off, so if you're in a process trying to help people, and when they first come into the process, and by the end, or nearer the end, or where there's this moment where, wow, aha, <clears throat> sorry, it's the aha, aha moment, or when mm-hmm. you're doing that kind of course, and from the first day, you see a progression over time, where individuals are, quote, getting it, and understanding it, and so as long as you provide that space for them to fill it in for themselves, like I ask, what's the difference with curiosity relative to judgment, and so, you know, for me, judgments where someone's already filled in the blanks, and curiosities were we're providing that space for people to fill it in or self-define or self-determine on their own. Beautifully said. Um, and, and I think uh, an indicator for me when I'm working with a, a, a group, whether facilitating, training, teaching, um, is when that group starts to, starts to create its own, its own microculture um, and, and its own set of connections and, and bonds, its own, its own idiolector, its own kind of internal language, and, and sometimes inside jokes, uh, that level of connection in which you can actually you can see that the mirror neurons firing of people echoing each other's body language and phrases. It's, 
It's a great thing, and and it's the kind of thing that that you know you and I and our, our brothers and sisters in the field um, get to see um, hope and possibility and and connection among among adversaries that I think um, our leaders would would do well to model as well. Yeah, and I really, with all this conversation what we're having tonight about reflection and self-awareness, and I really um, am about affect. So how are you affected by the work you do? Profoundly, um, you know, and I'll, I'll still be a work in progress as long as I can fog a mirror, but I, I uh, you know, I... I hesitate. I, I can barely imagine what I would what I would be like in my connections and my relations and so on without without being on this uh, on this peace building journey, um, and and a big part of that is is for me is never being fully comfortable with my level of self awareness. Uh, so, you know, the theme that we're talking about, I I think it really is a journey, and I would. Um, I'd be really reluctant to say that that I am self-aware. I think this I think this field has affected me in a way that's made me strive to question myself, my intentions, my actions, um, and like that. I, I you know I couldn't be more more lucky in that regard. At the same time, I you know I kind of shudder to call myself self-aware. It's a little bit, bit for me like labeling myself you know woke or a feminist. I would like to believe that that's where I am, but I. In some ways, I don't think it's mine to, to to honor me with those kind of labels. It's my actions and interactions that that would would earn me that um, uh, those assumptions about me. Well, I, I think you know you support you believe in the notion of self awareness. So instead of saying I am self aware, it's just you know communicating. I totally support that notion and that practice as a foundation of purpose and being. And so whether then leaving it up to others to say, okay, yeah, you're really pretty self-aware. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, in, indeed. Um, I love the way you reframe things that I say, by the way. It's like you're capturing what I'm saying it only, only with fewer words and, and smarter. So thank you for that. Look, I'm uh, a Neanderthal, too. <laughs> we're just we're just simple cavemen from different sides of the border. So true. Yeah, like you know, we're mirror images in some way. <laughs> we are. We are. So true. So, in terms of uh, almost closing for tonight, what can uh, people do to better assist themselves toward getting more productive resolutions or transformations of their conflict situations? What you, can you impart for people? Oh my goodness! You know that, that's a tough question because it, it really um, requires me to condense so much of what we do. I, I think, in terms of our theme of self-awareness, is, is really asking yourself, "What do you really want out of this interaction?" And and so often in conflict, um, we do because of the way our brains are formed. We do exactly the opposite of what we need to do to get we what we want, which is whether it's to to be heard, to be understood. Um, or to, to reach some, some degree of understanding. So, um, you know, because our, our, our amygdala gets hijacked and we go into our fight or flight or freeze response, we, myself included, often respond in ways that don't meet our own needs. So, so taking that pause, that proper pause, to ask yourself, well, what do I really want out of this? Do I want to be, do I need to be heard um, in order to move forward? And if so, what's 
what's the pathway to do that? So I think part of it is self-awareness, and then from that, um, that's kind of the scaffolding on which we can build out all the various uh, skills and Jedi mind tricks that we use in mediation, like like light reflection and others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just to, to note, uh, about three years ago I did a, <coughs> a radio show called Mediation Roleplay on Air. I had graduates of a university course here play the roles of two parties and a mediator and then just before the breaks I would interject and do a little coaching. So we're going to do, oh, wow. do another one of that version on July 14th with three different people. So there's a scenario I'll create and then there's uh, individual roles which are confidential from the others to do that. So that's on July 14th. Though my plan to do is another version, an improvisational version of mediation role play where all they have is it's a workplace. So then the parties have to go with it and build on it, and the media has to work with them in the moment. So it's really improvisational. That is so cool, and it's really kind of a, a, a tightrope act for you because you have no idea what's going to happen, and you're, you're yep. on the air. Yep, it's live in the moment. So I, I relish the opportunity of being engaged that way. In it. So, and, and so, you know, the idea is that uh, people traditionally use the but word, so you're great, but... And it marginalizes. <laughs> right, right. So right. instead, you're great and. So inter- that's the improvisational aspect. Anyways. Absolutely. Got, the, the old uh, the yes and from, from improv is, is one of our best friends. I got, I got a yeah, really. I hope I, can, I, I hope I can tune into that from, from Baghdad. That sounds great. Well, I'll, otherwise, I'll listen to the archive version. If, yeah. Uh, All right. Thanks very much. Sounds awesome. I appreciate it. Take care. Okay. We'll be in touch. You too, Greg. All right. Best of luck in Iraq. Mm-hmm.